I'll be talking about the film The Woman King, starring Viola Davis, the buzz in Hollywood over a new Lord of the Rings movie in production, Stephen Yun joins the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the HBO show Succession is ending after only four seasons. So, let's get into it! for joining me on another episode of Film Folly, where we take a deeper dive into movies by talking about memorable scenes and themes within a film. It's always an experience and I'm here to talk about it, but I want to invite you, the listener, to participate. Send me a voice memo or email to filmfollypodcast at gmail.com and I'll feature you in an episode. You can also leave your thoughts on whatever movie I'm covering on Facebook or Instagram at Film Folly Podcast. And our featured film of the week is The Woman King, starring Viola Davis as General Neneska, Lashana Lynch as Azogi, Tuso Mbedu as Nawi, John Boyega as King Gizo, and Shaila Atim as Amenza. And so I'm going to be giving an overall synopsis of the film, and then I'll be going over some themes and uh, some scenes that really uh, stood out to me. So uh, we'll get started. In the West African Kingdom of Dahomey in 1823, General Naniska, leader of the all-female group of warriors, the Agoji, liberates Dahomey women who were abducted by slavers from the Oyo Empire. This provokes King Gizo of the Dahomey to prepare for an all-out war with the Oyo. Naniska begins to train a new generation of warriors to join the Agoji to protect the kingdom. Among these warriors is Nawi, a strong-willed girl who was offered by her father to the king after refusing to marry men who would beat her. Nawi befriends Azogi, a veteran Agoji, who becomes her mentor during training. Nawi also reveals to Naniska that she is adopted and shows a birthmark on her left shoulder, shocking Naniska. Portuguese slave traders, led by Santo Ferreira and accompanied by the half-Dahomian Malik, arrived as part of an alliance with the Oyo, led by General Oba Adi. Nawi encounters Malik while he's bathing at a river, and the two become friends. Shortly after graduating from training to become a full-fledged Agoji, Nawi sneaks off to speak with Malik and learns that the Oyo are planning to attack. She reports this to Naniska, who tells her off for her recklessness. Naniska reveals that in her youth, she was captured by Oba, raped by many men, and impregnated. After giving birth to a daughter, Naniska embedded a shark tooth in her left shoulder before giving her away. 
Viniska helps Nabi extract the tooth, confirming that she is her biological daughter. Naniska leads the Goji in an attack on the Oyo. The attack is successful, but Oba escapes, and Nami, Azogi, and fellow warrior Fumbe are captured. With Nami's advice, Fumbe escapes and reports the other's fate to Naniska. King Giso prepares to bestow the title of Woman King, his partner and equal in ruling Dahomey, upon Naniska, but refuses to authorize a rescue mission for the captive Agoji. Meanwhile, Azoki is killed in an escape attempt and Malik buys Nawi in order to protect her. Naniska defies orders and sets out with a group of like-minded warriors to rescue the captives. The chaos allows Nawi to escape and rejoin Naniska. Malik frees several other slaves who drown Ferreira and Naniska kills Oba in single combat. The triumphant Agoji returned to Dahomey, where King Gizo privately and briefly admonishes Naniska for disobeying him before crowning her the woman king. After the festivities, Naniska and Nawi privately acknowledge their familial relationship. So this movie I just really, really loved. I thought it was absolutely amazing. It's really wonderful to see women empowered as warriors and who, you know, gain the respect of people. The fight scenes are amazing. The action is incredible. Um, you know, the I did some reading up on some of the training uh, and watched some uh, interviews with Viola Davis, who talks about the rigorous training involved. And gosh, it was just... This movie is really amazing. I just loved it so much. It seems to me during the 1800s in general, uh, women were definitely not seen as equals to men. And it seems to me being a part of the Agoji is is a way for women to become equal uh, to men and to be respected. And that is, it's empowering to see because it's, it's women taking control of their own fate. And, you know, there could be some debate about that as far as, like, you know, women should be respected regardless of if they are warriors. But in this case, it's really beautiful to see the warrior women being vulnerable in in some aspects and then being really strong in some aspects. And it's a beautiful marriage of the two. This, I think, is a really important movie to to see for a lot of reasons, but um, it shows a different side that we haven't seen in, in the history and haven't seen portrayed uh, in film at all, at least not um, from what I have seen. You get to see the struggle of living in a country that is being forcefully mined for people and how the tribes and kingdoms have to adapt to sell their own people to survive. And it's really interesting, too. There's a scene where almost like a a council meeting of a sorts, and you have the king and his wife sitting next to him and then the other uh, council people, and they are debating uh, the never-ending cycle of slave trade uh, with the Europeans. 
and Naniska wants to get away from this and trade goods such as palm oil or gold, but some think this would demean them and the wife sitting next to the king in this scene, she interjects and she seems to feel as though that it would demean them um, to sell goods instead of slave traders. And she says something to the effect of, this isn't a direct quote, but the gods have brought them a new king uh, for others to fear, but no one will fear a farmer. So that's kind of her her outlook on it. And Naniska wholeheartedly disagrees. And she really tries to convince the king. And the king uh, does say that he is open to trade goods, um, but only in time. And uh, you see the, the struggle, the dynamic there. There's also a scene I wanted to mention. And, you know, this film also deals with heavy subject matter, such as obviously slavery, but also rape and abuse uh, of women. And there's a scene where um, the general Oba Adi arrives to request a trade of sorts. And Naniska sees General Oba Adi and she has a flashback of being tied up and raped by him and several other men, unfortunately. It's a traumatic flashback, and it you can tell it's it shakes her badly. She ends up having to step away to collect herself, and um, I thought Vi- Viola Davis did a wonderful job um, really just portraying the, the fear and um, the anxiety, and she almost has like a, a panic attack. She has to kind of, she kind of buckles over once she's gotten away from the crowd and has to collect herself. And it's, um, it's a striking scene because it's just, it's riddled with so much pain, mental anguish, and panic. Viola Davis does an amazing job. And as the film goes on, you end up learning that Naniska had became pregnant from the time where she was held captive and raped. Uh, She felt as though she had to give the child up. Her friend and fellow warrior woman, uh, a goji warrior woman, Amenza, ends up giving her child um, to the orphanage. And... Naniska suspects that Nawi may be um, her child because of a scar that she has. And there's this really great scene where Naniska is telling the story of, of what had happened to her and that she had become pregnant. And she's telling the story to Nawi and that she had marked the child uh, beforehand and stuck a a shark tooth in the wound so that it would grow over. And that's kind of her mark on her child where she she gave the child away. Nawi is hearing the story and she's in shock. And Naniska, you know, is tearing up and you can tell this story has been weighing heavily on her and she's been waiting for so long to tell it. You know, you can, you feel all the feelings that maybe she's, she never thought she would get the chance to to tell her her daughter this, but it's revealed that um, as Naniska reaches over to her shoulder, she reopens Nawi's wound and pulls out a shark tooth, revealing that she is her biological daughter. 
and Nawi's shocked, doesn't know what to do. Uh, she ends up running off, and it's kind of a, a heavy point in the film where you're just kind of like shocked, and it's a it's kind of a twist in the in the storyline, and it's a great scene. But unfortunately, when the Agoji warrior women uh, go into battle against the Oyo, Nawi is captured. And uh, along with two other Agoji women, uh, one being Nawi's mentor and friend, Azogi, and they attempt to escape. You know, at first, there's this really heavy kind of powerful scene where Nawi discovers that Azogi is um, captive along with her. They get put into the same cell and uh, she sees Azogi and um, her arm is broken and she's clearly in a lot of pain, but she's also just mentally, you know, beaten down from the defeat and battle and the fact that she's been captured and is now set to be sold as a slave. And, um, Nawi really rallies Azogi and I thought it was a really a really powerful scene because Azogi wanted to commit suicide and uh, Nawi rallied her and said, you know, we can't give up. Um we have to we have to fight to the end. Nawi uh then oh this would be so painful, but Nawi ends up resetting the broken arm for Azogi, and oh, she's in so much pain. The actress uh, Lashana Lynch uh, plays Azogi. She, wow, she does an amazing job in her role. I mean, they all have done such an amazing job. Sheila Tim, Tuso Mbedu, John Boyega, Viola Davis, of course. You know, they all have done such an amazing job, just really creating a lot of depth in their characters can see the mental struggle on their faces and the physical struggle and the pursuit of pushing forward and overcoming doubts in yourself and um and so much more honestly it's it's really wonderful so Nawi resets the broken arm for Azogi and they start to devise a plan in order to escape Um, and they do end up um, being able to free themselves and they just, they are so close to escaping the two of them. But then two men grab Nawi and keep her from fleeing any further. Azogi is about to get away, but she goes back for Nawi and she tries to save her so that they can escape together. You know, she doesn't, she's not going to leave her behind. And especially after she has rallied Azogi, you know, and was the inspiration for their escape in the first place. So I'm sure that's going through Azogi's mind. She's not going to leave Nawi. So she goes back to try and, and save Nawi. And she gets shot several times. And Nawi is just in shock. She's just, she can't believe it. This person who has been her mentor her friend, someone who has believed in her, is now dying on the ground, and she runs over to her and is just screaming with sorrow. And it's a very powerful scene. Losing someone who meant so much to you, 
who believed in you, even, you know, Naomi's father gave her up. So here you have a family, you know, the Agochi are kind of like a family to each other. They are kind of all they have and they die for one another. They, um, of course, they have their little squabbles. You see some of the in, infighting, you know, with, but at the end of the day, they all support each other and they'd all die for each other. And it's a, such a powerful, impactful um, thing. It's the, the power of women working together. So all of that, you know, Nawi is seeing Azogi falter and it's so devastating. Nawi is holding Azogi in her arms, shouting and screaming in sorrow. And then you have one of the slave traders come over and stand next to them. And during Nawi's grief and her sorrow, everything has faltered on her. And you see one of the slave traders come over and he starts to barter a price for her as this is going on. It's um, kind of a devastating moment. It's a disgusting display of humanity in a way. Here this woman is screaming in sorrow over someone who has died. And as she's, you know, bent over, tears, screaming tears down her face, the guy is bartering right next to her, her price to be sold. Oh, it's just, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh man, I had to put a hand to my chest, you know, like that. It's just, it just really weighs heavy on the viewer. And it's a, to me, it was a very impactful scene. And I think the reason why I feel it, it's such an impactful scene is because some have studied aspects of slavery and slavery seems like something that was so far away and something maybe for some very unrelatable because to them it happened, it was a long time ago. Um, And so sometimes we separate ourselves from that history and we don't have as much empathy for it as we should. In this day and age, we don't directly connect ourselves with that. Unless you are a black person, um, you have a much uh, closer connection to that and you have a history that is much more direct. And um, so I think it's a, it's, this is a movie that many people need to see. And it's something that I thought was absolutely so incredibly well done. It, there, the movie has so many layers. I could rewatch it and probably discover something new uh, or realize something new in it probably several times over. It is an action movie, but it is an action movie. It's probably one of the only action movies that I have seen that have so much depth to it. So, you know, seeing that scene, to me, it thrusts the viewer into the humanity of the situation and makes it real for them. This is what slavery is. This is what, this is the horror of it. You're being thrust into a situation where you can't look away and you can't help but feel empathy for these people, people and characters that you have now made such a connection with through through the movie. So as I said in the synopsis, uh, Naniska 
uh, defies the the king because he doesn't want um, the Ogoji to go in uh, to rescue any of the captive Ogoji women. But Naniska defies his orders and does it anyways. And she has, she doesn't ask for anyone else to come with her. She fully intends to go in and rescue her daughter and anyone else who was captured on her own. But others decide to join her. They follow her into her rescue mission. A battle ensues in order to rescue those who have been captured. And uh, Naniska is obviously very focused on rescuing Nawi. She ends up finding her. Um, but in that process, uh, Naniska battles General Oba Adi, who had kept her as captive when she was a young woman and raped her. And not only that, but allowed other men to rape her. And so she, she's on a mission to, to battle this guy and get her revenge. And not only revenge, because almost I feel like it's not necessarily revenge that she's wanting. She wants this cycle to stop, right? She wants the slavery of cycle and rape and abuse to stop. And this man has been at the forefront of that with her people for a very long time and she is wanting to she knows it's not going to most likely she knows it's not going to you know solve the entire issue but she wants to take at least one element of that out of the equation and if there's one less person to do these horrible atrocities she's willing to die for that cause and she honorably fights him and you know epic battle a really great fight scene a lot of heart and passion and she ends up killing him and as he is dying and she you know has her blade in him she whispers to him and uh, this was whoever wrote this line uh, the writer of this movie she whispers to him as he is dying and she says quote you do not remember me, but now you will never forget me, end quote. Oh, I just thought that that line was so epic. So epic. Ah, oh, it's so epic and so powerful. So then they move on and they all go back to the palace. And um, I believe it's, it's probably the following day. And Nawi goes to the shrine of those they have lost to give an offering for Azogi and Naniska um, joins her, finds her there and also to give an offering uh, for Azogi and those they have they recently lost. And now we says something that I thought was, oh gosh, it really took me back, brings a tear to your eye. This whole last, you know, one of the, this is one of the last scenes, but um, the scene here, it, it's just so touching and it grips your heart and it's got so much weight to it. And Nawi says, quote, in my blood is a blood of a killer, a man who gave you so much pain. I'm sorry, end quote. Oh my gosh, I can't believe she says that. She thinks it's her fault. 
she had nothing to do with it. Oh, my God. So I'm just like, oh, my heart is in pain for this girl um, as I'm watching it. And uh, Naniska says, Naniska says, and this isn't a direct quote, but she says, she is sorry she left left her, Nawi. And that she wasn't brave enough. She tells Naoi, quote, It is not your fault what happened to me. You are not the thing that hurt me. You are my daughter. End quote. Oh, gosh. Oh, it brought a tear to my eye, man. Oh, it's so, so good. I mean, it's so powerful. So, there's so much emotion. There's the actress did such a wonderful job. I'm kind of tearing up now. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, so good. And, and you know, at this, you can kind of tell that was Naniska's way of apologizing or saying that she wasn't strong enough at the time, wasn't strong enough to keep her as opposed to give her up for adoption. She, in her way, at least from what I, how I take it, is that she's in a way apologizing for not being strong enough. But, you know, everything has a cause and reaction. And so they wouldn't be here. They wouldn't have experienced, they wouldn't have experienced this type of maybe closeness that they, because uh, you, you can kind of tell that there's a, a weight lifted after this between the two of them they have now almost become closer bonded to each other now that the 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 bandage of guilt and you know Naniska seems to have some kind of shame about the about giving her up for adoption and so that bandage of guilt and shame is coming off and same with Nawi in my opinion like you know when she learns that Naniska had been raped, like I had just said in the quote, she she says she's sorry. And I mean, what happened to Naniska is so incredibly awful. But Nawi is the hope and the light in the darkness of those deeds. And she has become a beautiful person and a person of strength and empowerment what better way to eliminate the darkness than with light? And I see Nawi as that light, that child of hope, that child of change, and the child that will live a life um, against all that inhumanity. And at the end, there's a celebration. Naniska is crowned the woman king. She is an equal now to King uh, Gizo. And um, she has just as much authority now as, as he does. And they will be ruling together. And there's that hopefulness of change. And it's really beautiful. There's a celebration. Um, you see Naniska dressed in formal wear, which is a, a, a stark contrast to her battle uniform that we've seen her uh, in throughout the entire movie. Nawi goes up to Naniska and asks her mother to dance. And the word mother really is weighs heavily on the moment. After that moment they had earlier and now it's um there's light and happiness in each other's eyes 
and they hug and smile at one another and they touch foreheads and it's just it's a beautiful a beautiful scene and it kind of leaves the audience feeling um hopeful and and you can really feel the love in, in that scene um the ending scene of the movie after after the celebration it ends with three women overlooking the ocean on top of a high ridge mountain and these three women are Naniska, Nawi, and Amenza. And they're overlooking the ocean in kind of this stoic last scene. I don't know, to me, it really, I think it, it represents hope. But at least for me, when I saw that last scene... It was partially, oh, it's a, it's a sign of hope. You know, women, uh, these women are looking to the horizon into hopefully better days. But, you know, this is the 1800s. And as the viewer knows, you can't help but know the history. And you know that that very ocean they're looking over is one where the Europeans and Americans will be returning because slavery continues even after uh, th- this point in the film. This is the year 1823. You know that slavery doesn't end up being abolished in the uh, United States or ratified um, on December 6, 1865. So they still have some time, sadly, left um, where slavery continues. So, you know, again, on one hand, um, it's a horizon of hope. But for me, what I was thinking is like, uh, you know, I know what they will be facing uh, later on. So that's how it ended. And um, I, again, I, I can't recommend this movie enough. It is important to see... You know, you're watching it, and it's very... It, this is an action-packed movie. There's so much depth to it, as I uh, mentioned before. There's so many layers to it. And honestly, I know this has been talked about in, in Hollywood and whatnot, but I am dumbfounded as to why this movie did not get at least nominated for an Oscar. How the heck did this movie not get nominated for an Oscar. Someone tell me why. (laughs) Uh, Someone tell me why. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Um, So one thing, a couple things I wanted to mention, I was watching some interviews and I wanted to recommend some about uh, The Woman King in particular and Viola Davis. Um, so there's a great variety interview, and there's there's several out there, but this one in particular, it's um, a variety interview. You can find it on YouTube for The Woman King. Um, they're doing an interview panel with several of the actors. I will link that in the description. Um, so if you want to uh, check that out, I highly recommend it. Uh, watch the whole thing. Um, there's a couple quotes I wanted to pull from that um, because I thought it was really impactful and um, really important to hear the actor's reaction to uh, what the movie 
um, uh, meant to them and, and how they felt as though it had an impact. So the interviewer was asking um, why the woman king is so important. And uh, Sheila Atim, I thought, had a really great and wonderful answer to that, a really heartfelt answer. And she plays Amenza in the film. You know, comparing this film with others out there um, that uh, may have to do with slavery or or any of um, the subject matter, they were kind of um, talking about that. She said it's important, um, quote, because it's historical and it's real. To know that we're not just a fantasy and we are a reality, it's extremely important. It's about the humanization of us. The understanding not only that it is possible, it was possible, and it happened. End quote. So yeah, I thought that was a very powerful statement, and um, it was really moving to hear her say that. And now uh, John Boyega had uh, a statement um, in the interview as well that I thought was very impactful. He plays King uh, Gizo, and he said that for him, quote, For me, what this movie represents is how men can be strengthened by connecting with women and how women can be strengthened by connecting with men, but only when it's through this genuine reciprocal energy, end quote. I thought that was really a lovely way to to put that, you know, we... We can work together. You know, a lot of times people see men and women as opposites. And, you know, oftentimes men and women are always put at odds with each other, it seems like. And, and you know, obviously it's seen through history. Um, you know, women have not been treated well throughout history, and especially black women have not been treated very well through history at all from what Boyega is is saying here I think is very true we can work together and we can be great together we don't have to be at odds there doesn't have to be a one's better than the other we can just be equal it's okay you know (laughs) and uh, so I thought it was a really um, great statement by John Boyega And again, I highly recommend you watch the entire um, interview of the cast. It's really, really great. And again, I'll list that in a link in the description. So um, congratulations to Viola Davis. She won the 2023 NAACP Image Awards. um, And she won for Outstanding Actress in a Motion Picture for The Woman King. And she called in her speech, um, the woman king, her magnum opus. So congratulations to her. That is so deserved. Really lovely to see. There's one other interview I wanted to mention in reaction to Viola Davis in particular. There is a, again, another variety um, interview on YouTube. It's an actors on actors um, interview. So... Um, Two actors are interviewing each other and having a conversation. And in this instance, it's uh, Viola Davis and Jennifer Lawrence. And I watched this whole thing and I was just so incredibly moved. They are so honest and it is very refreshing 
and moving to hear them talk about their experiences in Hollywood and their ideas and acting and, and some of the experiences they've had in their own lives and how that has informed them in their acting. Viola Davis goes on to talk about the woman king. She also mentioned in that interview that she felt as though sometimes action movies are kind of looked down upon. They're not regarded in in a higher light in order to be considered for things like Oscars and things like that, which I think is really unfair. <laughs> and I got the impression she felt that same way because um, as she's stated in other interviews, she probably worked harder for this movie than almost any other movie that she's ever been on uh, as far as the physicality and everything like that. And so anyways, I'm always so moved by uh, Viola Davis when she has these long form interviews. Um, I feel like everything she says is so inspiring, so true, so important to to hear. And it's, she's very relatable and she brings up um, points that I've never thought about either. And I'm, I feel as though I'm learning about life when I hear Viola Davis talk. And um, so she also has a really wonderful interview with Oprah. Um, Viola Davis has written a book and um, I haven't read her book yet, but the interview with Oprah on Netflix is also absolutely amazing. She goes into her life and her background more and how she grew up and and things of the, that nature. But um, so check that out on Netflix, uh, the Oprah interview. Um, but this Actors on Actors with Jennifer Lawrence and Viola Davis, I highly recommend this interview as well. And I'll leave a link in the description so you can all check that out as well. So, yeah, thank you for um, listening to this kind of review and reaction um, to The Woman King. I will say one last um, point. Whenever I'm looking at movie reviews, I usually go to Rotten Tomatoes, mostly because not only do I want to see the critics' reviews, but I really want to see what um, audience scores are for movies and I'm always like really analytical when it comes to like oh why does the critics really like one movie and the audiences didn't or vice versa you know um so I'm always like really curious about that but the woman king all around got fantastic reviews the critics gave it a 94 percent and audience viewers give it a 99%, you know, which that is spot on. That's spot on. It's amazing. So again, I hope you've seen the movie first before listening to the podcast today, but um, I highly recommend you, um, you watch it because obviously I didn't go over everything in the film. We went over a lot of details today, but there's a lot of um, scenes that were really amazing. I didn't even go over all the action scenes. You know, there, there's so much more for you to discover. So I hope you enjoy. And now it's time for Hollywood News. So I have several things to 
talk about today. And all of the links for the articles I'll be talking about today will be in the visit description. So check this out if you want to read the full article of our Hollywood News. And first up, we have the headline here is New Lord of the Rings Movies in the Works at Warner's New Line. The studios have struck a multi-year pact with Swedish gaming giant Embracer Group, which holds the film rights to the property. The Embracer Group, AB, allows Warners to develop features based on J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings books and The Hobbit. Embracer Group, the Swedish gaming company, acquired the rights to produce Lord of the Rings films, games, merchandise, theme park attractions, and live productions when it purchased rights holder Middle Earth Enterprises last year from the Saul Zantz Company. The movie announced during Warner Brothers Discovery's Investor Call Thursday comes as CEO David Zaslav seeks to assure Wall Street that Warner's is very much in the franchise game, here hearkening back to the 2000s glory days when the studio was practically minting money with Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, and Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. In this past November, Zaslav said he would like to make a deal with J.K. Rowling for more Harry Potter and initially floated the notion of Lord of the Rings return. Rights to the Tolkien works have always been a little dicey. A legal dispute between Warner's and Tolkien estate went on for years before being settled in 2017. A new complicating matter from a consumer standpoint Amazon holds the TV rights to Lord of the Rings, with its mega-budget Ring of Power debuting last year. One question the new series of films will face is how to convince audiences to go to the theater if they can get their fix at home. One big difference here is Amazon focuses on Second Age, thousands of years before the event of the films. The movie rights have focused on the Third Age, when the best-known events happened and most beloved characters lived. It's possible that Warners now could focus on new stories centering Tolkien's big guns, such as Gandalf, Bilbo, and Aragorn. So stay tuned for more information about that. That is really exciting. I remember going to see the first films in the theater. This was back in the day where you would have to arrive you know, really, really early for these films where, you know, they were highly anticipated films, big mega world building films and that kind of thing. So I definitely was waiting in line for my seats like an hour before the movie started because we wanted to get really good seats. And that was back in the day where you couldn't reserve seats. So I specifically remember bringing cards, a deck of cards, for me and my friends to play while we were waiting in line to uh, get into the theater (laughs) to see Lord of the Rings. So that was uh, a great memory to see Lord of the Rings. Do you have any fun memories of uh, seeing the films when they originally released? Let me know. So this next story has been floating around for a while, but it was nice to kind of get something more recent and up-to-date as far as how things are going. And the headline here is, HBO Max will merge into a single platform with Discovery+. Plus. 
Now, I've heard about this for a while, but I've been kind of wondering when this is actually going to happen because I have a subscription to Discovery Plus and I would like to start watching some of the HBO stuff. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. And the article goes into uh, talking more about it by saying HBO Max lives for now. But the streamer isn't long for this life in its current form. During a Warner Brothers Discovery earnings call, where we also learned more about Batgirl's cancellation and DC's future, the company shared the news many saw coming, but not many are happy about it. HBO Max and Discovery Plus will combine into a brand new offering, and now we have the timeline for when this will all take place. Say whatever sentimental goodbyes you have to HBO Max starting now because it will be replaced with an all-new product earlier than expected in the spring of 2023. And the process of this merger has already resulted in some changes, including a price increase and in some content sacrifices, including the letters HBO. According to CNBC, Warner Brothers Discovery is eyeing the name Max for its new platform. Warner Brothers Discovery didn't reveal much about this product so far, though. What the company did share was that this would be a single global brand that put customer experience and quality first. The new platform will combine the best of both and have capabilities such as on-demand and have live TV, ad-free, ad-light, and ad-only options. Content loss on HBO Max. During the call, executives mentioned that HBO Max often had difficulty supporting a certain scale of audience. Discovery Plus, meanwhile, had much better technological infrastructure behind it. Although Warner Brothers Discovery's executives noted that they supported HBO Max content, fans of the current shows streaming on the platform feel nervous. And rightfully so. Already, Warner Brothers Discoveries has canceled movies including Batgirl, Wonder Twins, and Scoob Holiday Haunt. Shockingly, HBO Max also lost some high-profile originals. Shows like Westworld were removed suddenly from the platform. Although it's unclear if everything removed from HBO Max will become viewable again, some content will find a new home. According to Deadline, Roku and Tubi will become the free, ad-supported streaming television channel of choice for Warner Brothers Discovery and its cut content. Beginning around spring of 2023 on Roku, and as early as February 1st on Tubi, Shows like Westworld and The Nevers will once again be available to watch. HBO Max subscription content increase. On top of everything else, the subscription cost of HBO Max also increased without warning. Effective January 12th of 2023, HBO Max now costs $15.99 instead of $14.99. It might seem like a small increase, but HBO Max is already one of the most costly subscription services. So there's a lot more information that will be coming out about the merger between HBO Max and Discovery Plus with Warner Brothers. It looks like they're having some issues with licensing for certain TV shows by removing some things and then 
some TV shows they plan on bringing back and some they do not. So it's, it'll be interesting to see, it seems like, this spring. And on that note, on a Up Rocks article that was released on February 24th, entitled, Why is Succession Ending After Season 4? So that's another show that's been very, very popular on HBO Max platform. And that is going to be coming to an end very soon. It does seem a little abrupt um, because of the, the show being so popular. Uh, and there's only, there's only going to be four seasons and then it's, and it's finished. So you can't help but wonder if it's finishing because of everything going on with HBO Max or if that was actually the plan all along. With this Up Rocks article, they seem to go into more detail. And the creator of the Succession show, Jesse Armstrong, says in a statement here, quote, I went into the writing room of season four sort of saying, I think this is what we're doing, but let's keep it open. I like operating the writing room by coming in with a sort of proposition and then being genuinely open to alternative ways of going. And the decision to end solidified through the writing and even when we started filming. I said to the cast, I'm not 100% sure, but I think this is it because I didn't want to bullshit them either. End quote. So at least from his statement, at least in my opinion, it seems like he was going into it thinking that this was season four was going to be the end. Um, he wanted to kind of let it end naturally. Um, but I don't know. You know, sometimes they say statements that are nice and diplomatic, but really there's a whole other story <laughs> in the background. And who knows if, you know, the transition from HBO to Discovery Plus, if there's any background um, business issues or anything like that uh, with the show moving forward on the platform. But yeah, so that I thought was um, something to definitely note for the show. So I hope for you Succession fans out there, you will be satisfied with just the four seasons. I think I saw the the first episode of season one, or maybe maybe two episodes of season one, but I haven't been able to watch all of them. I'm one of those people who will temporarily sign up for HBO, you know, if there's something I really want to see, like House of the Dragon. I was really wanting to see that, so I signed up for a month and, you know, had HBO Max uh, for for a month in order to watch binge watch those shows and then I watched some other things on there too and then once my month was up then I was like okay <laughs> I canceled and uh whatnot so anyways I hope you guys enjoy season four let me know um if you like how it ends up ending I'll be curious to see what audiences have to say about that and our last bit of Hollywood news today is from a variety article dated February 23rd, and the headline is Steven Yeun joins Marvel Cinematic Universe in Thunderbolts. The Oscar-nominated actor will make his first appearance in Thunderbolts, joining the star-studded cast of Florence Pugh, Sebastian Stan, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. 
It's not clear yet who Yun is playing in the film, which is expected to start shooting in June. It's likely that the character, however it may be, will play a role in the future of the sprawling MCU. Jake Schreer is directing Thunderbolts, which is due in theaters on July 26, 2024. The anti-hero adventure is intended to conclude the MCU Phase 5, which began with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania, and continues with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and the Marvels, Captain America, New World Order, Blade, and Deadpool 3. Yun, who broke out on The Walking Dead, and received an Oscar nomination for the film Minari, recently starred in Jordan Peele's UFO thriller, Nope. Up next, he is teaming with director Bong Joon-ho and Robert Pattinson for Mickey 17, a sci-fi movie set at Warner Brothers. So for all you Marvel fans out there, you will have plenty to look forward to here soon. It seems like they have quite a lot of things on their docket, that they'll be coming out with. Um, I, for one, am really excited for the Blade movies in particular. Uh, I grew up, you know, watching those. I think I was in middle school to high school when they came out, and I just really loved the Blade movies. (laughs) I I believe there's three of them, and I loved all three of them. So um, there were some aspects of the third one that... I felt they could have done a little bit better with, but I love that Ryan Reynolds was in it. (laughs) I I thought it was a really great, just action-packed, fun adventure, great popcorn movie, um, just something you could really get entertained with. But I, of course, love, love the first one, and I also really enjoyed the second one. I thought the second one was actually really good. So anyways, I'm really looking forward to the new Blade movies when they do eventually come out. I'm really curious though who they're going to um, recast as Blade so that'll be interesting I don't know if there's any rumors I might have to do some research to see if they have chosen someone to play Blade Uh, as of right now I'm not aware of any actor they have chosen but I will be very curious to see who they end up getting to play as Blade Thank you very much for joining me again this week on Film Folly. I really appreciate it. I'm an independent podcaster, so I'm learning every day. This is new to me, so I really appreciate you guys um, listening. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be it would mean a lot to me if you could give a five star review. Uh, that would really help me out in distributing and getting the podcast out um, to more of an audience and please subscribe as well and and share the podcast with friends if you feel as though they would enjoy it and I really appreciate it. Next week um, for our featured film of the week I'll be reviewing the movie Bros on Peacock. You can watch it on Peacock. It's a romantic comedy and I'm really looking forward to it having a little bit of a, a switch up here and get some laughs in in this next uh, featured film for next week. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, Watch the movie, and then we'll reconvene uh, for the podcast next week. And with that, I will leave you for now. Once again, thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. Take care. Bye.